Today on Recur Now, we dive deep into your subscription headlines. We also give you a sneak peek at the newest episode of the ProfitWell Report, and our team debates the value of company equity. From our Boston HQ, it is Tuesday, September 10th. I'm Abby Sullivan. And I'm Grace Gagnon. It's a beautiful day to subscribe. We've got new details on a project by Heaton Shaw, a big birthday in the technology world, and what's next for Teachable. Also, a deep dive into Microsoft's redesigned to-do app and what it means for the future of Wonderlist. We're breaking down today's top subscription news. We're learning more details about a project by Heaton Shaw, co-founder of Product Habits and FYI. To jog your memory, Shaw tweeted last week about a project he was working on but didn't have anything to show for yet. We now know the product is FYI for Teams. Shaw recently tweeted, This is something we have been incubating at UseFYI as an internal tool that we desperately needed, not a pivot or an all-consuming initiative. We're hard at work on building FYI for Teams, which is what's next for the user. FYI core product. Pretty cool stuff. Happy 60th birthday, COBOL, a.k.a. Common Business Oriented Language. In computing's early years, the only languages were machine and assembler. Mary Haas recognized the need for a computer language, thus leading to the birth of COBOL in 1959. It was designed to be an English-like vocabulary that could be used across different computers to perform basic business tasks. So, just because it's 60 doesn't mean COBOL will retire anytime soon since it's still widely used. Teachable is apparently making a big announcement today. It hinted at the drop of big news on Twitter, asking people to guess what the announcement could possibly be. Some are wondering if perhaps Teachable got acquired. Circle back with us tomorrow for more intel. Now, what's in store for Wonderlist as Microsoft rolls out to-do app updates? We're diving deep. It's been four years since Christian Reber sold his company Six Wonder Kinder to Microsoft. Now he wants it back and it seems like he'll do just about anything to get it. Reber tweeted, Still sad Microsoft wants to shut down Wonderlist, even though people still love and use it. I'm serious. Please let me buy it back. Keep the team and focus on Microsoft to do and no one will be angry for shutting down Wonderlist. Reber started Six Wonder Kinder out of Berlin in 2010. He, along with five co-founders, developed one of the most popular productivity apps in the form of Wonderlist. Fast forward five years and Microsoft bought it for around 100 to 200 million bucks. People were immediately skeptical of this deal, with many Wonderlist users worried that Microsoft would eventually kill the app. I guess those fears were justified. According to VentureBeat, the near-term plans for Wonderlist are TBD, and Microsoft has nothing officially to say on the matter right now. However, Microsoft unveiled the redesign to-do app that will seemingly replace Wonderlist. The redesigned to-do looks a lot more like the original Wonderlist with the customizable background options. Although Microsoft is tight-lipped on Wonderlist's future, it's reminding people it's easy to migrate over from Wonderlist to to-do. The company mentioned the new version is, quote, our best of both worlds realized. It seems like Wonderlist may become a thing of the past depending on if Reber is serious about buying it back. And that's a wrap on your subscription news for September 10th. We'll have more recurring revenue news for you here tomorrow. And now a teaser for ProfitWell Report.
You've got the questions. Are product features losing their value? And we have the data. We looked at over 1.2 million different subscription consumers. A brand new ProfitWell report comes out tomorrow. Sign up at ProfitWellReport.com. We're joined by some of the ProfitWell crew in this segment of Overrated Underrated. Today, we've got Andrew Gear, Ian Black, Neil Desai, and Gina Aginson, along with myself, to weigh in. All right, let's see. Let's switch it up here. I think we'll do one more. How do you guys feel about company equity for employees, offering company equity for employees? It really depends on dilution, but I think quite often overrated. How so? How so? I... It turns into monopoly money when you are, because you don't actually know the, you don't have to know the dilution during the interview process. You agree to a number. And again, you don't actually know the valuation of that company. It's somewhat of a pipe dream as to whether, unless you're coming in at a really before an exit event and you get lucky in terms of timing, it's very hard to know whether it's you're actually making a bet uh, that'll pay off. Yeah, just statistically speaking, based on the number of startups out there and the ones that have exits that we would consider successful, uh, highly overrated, right? Um, There are exceptions, there are situations, uh, edge cases, but for the most part, I think we as an industry uh, are often undereducated on the details and specifics around how equity really Mm -hmm. works, Mm -hmm. and for the most part, uh, put a disproportionate amount of value on the potential of equity compared to its true value. Yeah, I think it's pretty underrated, actually. Um, I think when you're looking at something, especially if you don't know the intrinsic value of the equity, you're still looking at, is this a place I want to be? Is people I want to be with? Is it the role I want? Uh, is it a salary I'm good with? And so it's just something extra on top of that that could be something, um, especially for something uh, for a company really early on. But it also sets uh, alignment between all of the employees and the company for the long term, which I think is great. So you don't think of it as part of your compensation package? You just think of it as like icing on the cake? Um, I personally think about it as part of my compensation package. So not everyone does. No. Um, and maybe that's the disillusion of, I think it's going to be worth, uh, you know, billions of dollars later on. Or it's just, you know, maybe it's something decent now that, you know, the company doesn't have cash for, yet they can still give me something else. Um, but I think there's also a divide we need to make between early stage where it's not liquid yet. And really, you don't know. Even if you're, you know, series A, B, C, it's just roughly on what the last person paid for it. Uh, versus you're working somewhere that's been publicly traded for, you know, 60 years, you know exactly what it's worth. Yeah. And that's a, a very different beast. It's also a very different beast if we're speaking from the perspective of the company that is giving equity or as employees, right? We've all talked about it as the employees receiving equity, but I actually think it's vastly underrated as a recruitment culture alignment tool it can help you right especially early stage it can help you get those top tier candidates when you don't have the money to really pay them and it also to andy's point creates alignment with your employees where all of a sudden you can talk about the fact that like you're all stakeholders in the long term of this business and we can all get aligned around these mission and vision. That's like a motivation tactic. Mm-hmm. Wait, did you, is it overrated or underrated, Gina? Well, I'm saying <laughs> that from, from employee perspective, overrated, yeah. employer, underrated. That's why I drew the distinction, Ian. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, my opinion is it, it should not be the sole reason that you work for a company because it should be mm-hmm. considered one piece of the pie. I mean, if it's a company that's, you know, a small company in a saturated space doesn't have much of a future... You shouldn't work for them just because you get a slice of equity. If you're getting paid below rate, the insurance sucks. That's like not a good reason to work for a company alone. It should be one of a lot of different factors that you consider. 
So in that, in that sense, I thought it was a little bit more overrated from an employee standpoint, like you said, but it really depends on what angle you take. So on an edge case angle, what do you think about the CEO that takes a $1 salary and everything is on the upside of equity or options? Have they sold a company before or are they sacrificing their quality of life? I feel like, knows? I feel there could be many reasons. I mean, I feel like employee, I feel like CEOs are on the level of taking a $1 salary probably have a lot of money in the bank already or a lot of <laughs> equity lined up so they're not too worried so it's very easy for them to do that weird edge case but is, <laughs> yeah. yeah i know this might be unpopular opinion but i kind of think of it as icing on the cake i'm like i t- i took my base salary that i felt like mm. i could be live off and then you know what if if it becomes like you don't know how much it's going to be worth so you are taking a risk regardless mm-hmm. so i kind of think of it as anything that does come in is a plus mm. yeah I think it also depends if you're just out of school, maybe you have debt and you're just like not making that much to begin with and you just kind of don't care about equity. You need to pay the bills today, but you know, a couple years into your career, maybe you start making a little bit more and you're like, all right, yeah, I can take that risk. And so I think there's a lot of factors that play into it. Yeah, definitely agree that you should not be sacrificing quality of life for for sure. Right. Yeah. And there you have it, your September 10th episode of Recur Now. Check back here tomorrow where we do it all again. And if you know anyone who'd want on the list to receive daily episodes, send them straight to recurnow.com. 